It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are going to recap what went on during the first day of camp. I don't know what you would call this because I don't know if it's full-fledged training camp or if it's sort of a modified mini camp. This is a weird year, but either way, the Jets practice. So we're going to talk about it with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So Chris... How did it feel to be out in the hot sun again at Florham Park? Super weird. And I don't know what to call it either. Uh, I, I don't know what you would really call that practice. I'm still not really sure where we are. I know we have practice on Sunday, and that will be a padded practice. Uh, I don't know anything beyond that yet. Uh, so I, I'm not sure exactly how you would uh, qualify it. But it, it, it was it was like a, it felt like a mini camp practice. It felt like the first day of mini camp is what it felt like. Super rusty, super sloppy. But the whole experience was just weird. Obviously, had to fill out all types of liability forms and waivers before we even uh, the day before we even go in there. Then have to get this like barcode on the phone to get scanned through the security gate show up past triage tents in the parking lot, go get your face scanned and your temperature taken. Everyone's standing around with masks, coaches walking up and down the sidelines, barking their orders, but they're in masks. And then you see the players not in masks. And that feels normal for a second until you look around at everybody else. And it's just every single thing about it was weird. Um, but there was, there, there, there was football on the field. Uh, it was super sloppy, um, but that's I I feel like that's got to be the case with every single team in the league. Um, there was numerous jokes and sarcastic tones, references about it's almost like they haven't practiced in six months. <laughs> um, that was coming from all over the place, uh, and yeah, they they you know you you've seen lots of players posting different videos uh, throughout the quarantine. And some quarterbacks throw in the receive. That's a huge difference between aligning eleven guys up on each side of the ball, having everything set, having and uh, pulling all that off simultaneously. So the sloppiness was to be expected. You you really couldn't expect anything else. I one of the first uh, plays of the practice, uh, Darnold threw a, a short pass that was just way off, missed, and I was like, whoa! And but like, yeah, okay. That should be expected. Like this, my my immediate reaction was, "What was that?" And then I was like, "Oh yeah, I I, I just remembered what happened the last six months. This makes sense." Um, so it, you know, it's going to be obviously every day, every, every year on the first day of minicamp. I'm always like making sure to be like, "Remember, 
This might, anything I talk about might mean something. It might mean nothing. And the Friday practice, take that even further because, well, I'll even take just further on the one side because I'll probably say that there's nothing that really happened on that field that you can draw anything good or bad from. Everything that we saw, you just got to chalk it up to, yeah, they haven't practiced in over six months, and this was the first practice in over six months. I want to get to the on-field play, and then we'll talk about what was said after practice as well. But first, the big news that was coming out of this practice is the fact that Denzel Mims, the Jets' second-round pick out of Baylor wide receiver, was on the sidelines with an apparent hamstring injury. I texted Manish about this, and he said that he's heard that it's nothing serious and Mims should be back early next week, but... Gase was playing it pretty cautious in the presser afterwards, saying that he might look into bringing in a veteran wide receiver, so that scared a lot of people. From what you've heard, Chris, does it seem like Manish is right, and most likely it's not a big deal and Mims will be back and the Jets are just playing it close to the vest? Well, first I'm going to say that we're talking about a hamstring injury here, and anybody that follows sports uh, and injuries knows the range that can happen with hamstrings and how tricky they can come back from. And uh, we've all seen that every year there's like one player who pulls a hamstring and like three weeks later, you're wondering why he's, is he still out? And then it gets to the point where we have to wonder, well, is he really not able to go yet? Or are they just being extra cautious with it? Um, So there's all those things that go into it. Um, I, my guess is, or what I figured is they don't, they're not worried that it's going to be a super, uh, big problem, but hamstrings can linger and they, he can tweak them again. So there's no real, uh, you know, they they don't feel comfortable saying, oh, this is just going to be a couple of days. But on the flip side of that, they're also not worried that right now that, oh my God, he's not going to be able to start the season or anything like that. Uh, what I will say is the addition of the idea of adding a veteran, I don't think that has anything to do with Mims or this hamstring. I, I Gase just recognizes that this receiver group needs help um, in period. Uh, they're not uh, they're super deep. Uh, you know, you, you got Crowder as the only known quantity there, um, Perriman and Mims, and then you got Jeff Smith and Vincent Smith and that. There's no veterans also in this group. So they need just another wide receiver and they could use a veteran wide receiver. They, you know, they're not trying to go get some uh, young kid that they have to bring up the speed on everything right now. They need somebody who can come in and can give them reps right away. Um, So I don't think that their need for a veteran receiver has anything to do with the Mims injury. Like a sure. And they go hand in hand now it may make it more imperative but if Mims was healthy they'd still need the the veteran receiver um but yeah right now my guess is it's not anything to be super concerned about Uh, they might uh tread carefully and hold them out a little longer a couple days longer than they need to again this happens we saw this happen with Quinn and Williams last year we've seen it happen before um 
but it's a, it is a hamstring. It, these are those injuries that can be tricky, that can linger, that can pop back up. So I don't want to sit here and say, oh yeah, it's not a big deal because a ham, hamstrings are really, really tough to predict. And especially in training camp when they're sitting there like, all right, you could play if there was a game, but there's not a game. So maybe let's just sit back for another couple of days. Uh, it just gets to be really tricky. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Now let's get to what happened on the field before we get to the rest of the injuries and what was said after practice. Let's start with Sam Darnold. As you said, he had that one pass that you noticed that made you think he was a little bit rusty. Did he settle in a little bit after that? Yeah, he settled in a little bit, but overall it was still a rusty and sloppy day from him. He made a couple of nice throws, uh, but he he was off. And it was uh, there was the timing issues. There was also uh, like there was one a throw that uh, that got us reporters uh, joking about Christian Hackenberg throwing uh, on the sideline all those years ago. If you remember all that, um, and that throw wasn't Sam's fault. The receiver ran a wrong route. Uh, you could see Sam was clearly thrown into a, a spot on the outside by the sideline. The receiver cut inside. Um, uh, timing was off. Um, Everything was off uh, just a little bit, uh, but again, that's to be expected. Uh, the, I don't want anyone sitting here thinking I'm criticizing Sam or being like, yeah, that's a rough start for the third 
third year quarterback because there's there's just no possible way that Friday was going to be anything but a rough start for all these players. Let's talk about one of the matchups that everybody was looking forward to and we got a preview of it. Quinnen Williams, the number three overall pick in the 2019 draft, going up against Mekhi Becton, the number 11 pick in the 2020 draft. Two huge men, two very strong guys, two incredible athletes, one-on-one, and somebody got the better of this, at least on one play. Who was it, and how did the matchup look? Quinnen won, and Quinnen is fast. Uh, (laughs) That quickness off the line, uh, there is, you know... This is another thing about the COVID restrictions we're under. We're normally we're free to roam up and down the sidelines and they have different things going on on different parts of the field all over the place a lot of times. So you can go ahead and follow and choose what to watch. We're a little more restricted on our movement. So sometimes you can just, this is what we get to look at. Um, so I only got to see like a handful of uh, times when I could actually say, Hey, look, there's Quentin Williams. Let me watch exactly what he's doing. Look, there's Mackay Beckton. Let me see exactly what he's doing. Um, sometimes I just, I couldn't see that that side of that field or that far away. Uh, but a with Quentin, the thing, you know, with Beckton, of course you notice, good God, that is a large man. Um, with Quentin, you notice, oh, wow, he looks different than last year, even more different, where if you've seen any of the photos of him on Twitter or Instagram, you you see that, uh, and it's very noticeable in person. But on one particular play, he just – the ball got snapped, and it was just like – I don't know if he had some type of chip in him that was aligned with the ball. So <laughs> he as soon as the ball got snapped, he would go, but he went right with it. And before Becton could had any chance to react, Quinnen just blew right past him. Um, so that that's encouraging to see on the Quinnen front. Um, obviously, a little, a little less encouraging to see on the Becton front. But again, that's something that you can chalk up to a billion different things. So no reason to be worried about. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's encouraging with Quinnen. You can see the type of shape he's gotten himself in and it's also like i haven't had a chance to talk to him about this yet and then we'll see how all these zoom things end up going but he has transformed his body for specific purposes to do what he needs to do on this line and get after quarterbacks and cause pressure and disrupt everything and you can see it Uh, immediately when you see him in person you can see it and he flew off that line um so that that's got to be encouraging for fans to see also interesting to note that greg williams is playing a little bit of mix and match at safety i guess he's trying to figure out what he's going to do this year without jamal adams yeah i i think this was my guess i think he was just really like let's see what bradley mcdougall's got let's let's see what he can do uh, they had him uh, playing as the top uh, single high free safety a lot, and they had Marcus May uh, playing more in the box. I, I'm fairly confident that you're going to see that switch once the season comes around, that Marcus May will continue being the sing- single high safety and McDougal will be back in the box. But Greg Williams' first time with this new guy, 
So let's play around. Let's see what we can do and how he can react in these situations. And then also let's see what Marcus can do for playing around in the box a little bit. Um, you're going to see Marcus Bay as the single high safety most of the time. But if Greg Williams sees enough out of McDougal and enough out of May in the box, then that'll give him some freedom to play around with that and maybe sneak some plays on people where is in the box and McDougal's back there. So you're going to see a lot of that. And this is one of those things that this is the first day of camp, so I'm not reading anything into it. But if, you know, next week I'm seeing that a lot and then the week after that I'm still seeing that a lot, then all of a sudden it'll start to mean something. Uh, right now, I think it's just tinkering and getting to know his new player a lot. Uh, and it makes all the sense in the world to do that at that point so we can get a better familiarity there. Um, but, yeah, there's, it's Greg Williams playing around. Chris, speaking of new players, I wouldn't say that Le'Veon Bell is new, but they've promised to use him in an all-new way. That's what Adam Gase said the other day. What did we see from him in this first practice? Yeah, first, before I get into that, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, <laughs> I didn't say I believed it, Chris. I'm just saying I, what the man I said. I know, I know, I know. I know you didn't. I know you didn't, but I'm going to say it. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. It sound, When he said all that, it sounded encouraging, and I was like, that's right. Uh, remember, you can throw him the ball too, Adam. Like, I remember this. Uh, but – as uh, uh, Evan Silva pointed out on Twitter, this is the seventh straight year Adam Gase is talking about uh, how his offense is going to be playing a lot faster. Um, this, this is par for the course with Adam Gase. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I do think there's a chance that we can uh, get to see it, um, that he, he sat there, A, knows that they didn't uh, upgrade enough at wide receiver, that they are going to need to lean on the running game and for the running game to be better more. I have a little bit of an upgraded offensive line. so uh, And maybe all this quarantine time allowed him more time to sit back and think clearly and, and say he needs to do some things a little differently. So maybe that's the case, but I'm still going to stick into my believe it when I see it thing. Um, you know, I didn't see anything too much like unique or different with how they used him yesterday. He did look good, though. Um, I've talked. I talk about this every year. Running backs are the hardest position to evaluate during these camps because they all look good. They all look great because they're not really getting tackled. Uh, but he looked exceptionally quick. A great burst. Uh, so it, it was promising to see there, uh, and it's promising to hear Gase say that. But yeah, we'll, we'll all have to be a little reserved on that. Don't get too excited because. Gase does this in the offseason, and people get excited, and then he falls back to doing the same stuff he always does. Now, maybe again this year, maybe it is different. Maybe quarantine's why it's different. Uh, who knows? We'll see. But uh, I, I have my doubts still. Chris, any other observations from the first practice? Well, the one huge observation I got is a lot quieter on the field. Um, a lot quieter coming from the players because there wasn't one player out there. And now I'm admittedly, I am going to miss this part. Uh, this is what I'm going to miss most about Jamal. Um, Cause I'm still going to be able to throw on Seahawks games and watch him play. So uh, what I'm going to miss most about Jamal is uh, <laughs> him just bouncing around 
uh, practice being loud and talk, running his mouth in good ways and entertaining ways. But it was a lot quieter there. Um, after practice, Arthur Mollette talked about how he just he doesn't think this team's missing a beat. The defense is going to miss a beat here. Um, Marcus May was taking players aside, uh, other safeties aside, and giving him coaching uh, them coaching on the sidelines. Uh, this was one of those things where my restricted uh, movement was actually helpful and beneficial because it happened directly right in front of me. And it's, it's my absolute favorite thing at camp. When I get to watch either a coach or a player take another player uh, to do like one-on-one instruction stuff and it happens right in front of me and I just get to sit there. It's like, it was like I was getting a lesson on how to be a safety for Marcus May. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not allowed to like divulge the details of that stuff, but I learned a lot just by sitting there watching it. It's like, oh, that's why you do it this way and that way. But it was also a reason why I'm bringing this up is you could see Marcus May taking more of a leadership role. You could see him doing it. Now he's very different than Jamal because he's he's uh, much more uh, my type of personality, laid back, just. Uh, one-on-one type stuff, calm demeanor, but uh, you could see him already being like, all right, I need to step up and, and do some more stuff. And I've seen him do this in the past, especially with younger guys, but you could see it did seem like he was taking more of a leadership role there and uh, explaining stuff throughout uh, to other safeties and then doing talking, uh, opening communication with the corners so they're all on the same page. Um so that was a good thing to see. But it was definitely a whole lot quieter on the field. Some injury issues, Chris. We talked about Denzel Mims, Pierre Desir, Frank Gore, and Bronson Kafusi, all with hamstring issues. What is the deal with this? Is there something in the water over there? Is there like an anti-hamstring supplement that they're putting in the bottles or something? <laughs> yeah, it's called quarantine and lockdown for the past <laughs> six months. This is, this is exactly why... They've spent the last two weeks doing these strength and conditioning things, and they delayed the start of training camp. Uh, it's for this exact reason, because we kn- knew that because of the extended uh, time off, that you can't just throw players right back into it. They have to be able to ramp themselves back up. So that's that's going to happen, and that's exactly why – this, the players wanted this extra ramp-up time. That's exactly why they didn't want to worry about the preseason. They want to be able to build up and ramp up throughout uh, this way. Um, we talked about Mims there. Um, the others don't seem like a big deal. And Gore, it was just – they said it was just precautionary. Honestly, he doesn't – he's Frank Gore, man. He doesn't need to take a single snap during this. He's going to be able to get you three and a half yards a clip until the year 7,648. Like, he's going to be able to do that forever. Um, uh, so that's precautionary. I don't expect that to last long. But, again, I wouldn't spend too much time giving him too many reps throughout this anyway. Um, the other guys, they, they don't seem like it's a big deal, deal either. Uh, it. it it's nothing alarming. But again, this is specifically why this uh, training camp is opened up the way it is, because this was expected, anticipated that players are going to have a lot of soft tissue injuries during these couple of weeks. Adam Gase spoke after practice. 
He refused to get involved in this weird Greg Williams, Pete Carroll, Jamal Adams situation. And for anybody that didn't see this, Greg Williams said that he thought that Jamal Adams might get bored in Seattle because they may not be able to use him in the exciting way that Williams did here with the Jets. Pete Carroll shot back. He said something along the lines of, yeah, what do we know? We're just boring. We don't know how to use players. And that was kind of the extent of it, a little bit of a back and forth between those two. Gase sidestepped the question, which is probably the smart thing. Also said that he was impressed by how much bigger the offensive line looks. But the key observation seems to be Quinn and Williams. And I know that Adam Gase is known to be an offensive coach, and that's really what his forte is. But, boy, he noticed Quinn and Williams the same way that you did, Chris. Yeah, again, it, it's noticeable. And I pointed this out during the season last year from when he showed up at rookie camp and mini camp. And then the start of training camp, he had started transforming his body already. And it was one of those things where, you know, and, and I'm not, you know, Gwen Williams is a football player, defensive lineman. So being overweight's part of uh, the job. That's it, it's on purpose. That's what they want to do. But when you see someone who's like overweight and then they lose a bunch of weight and then they're stuck in this weird spot where they, it just kind of looks weird because you're so used to seeing them this way. And they're a little smaller, but then they get to whatever they're trying to, and then eventually it comes around and looks normal. And that's what it was like. I remember at the beginning of the season, like I think it was like week two or three, I was like, wait a second, his body looks kind of weird to me right now. What I don't know what he's going for here. Because he was trying to slim down, put on a little muscle, but it was it he wasn't there. Or kind of, maybe a better metaphor would be uh getting a haircut in the middle stage. Uh, you got to cut a little lower, um, you know, than you wanted. And there's a, a little awkward stage in, in the growing out process. Now his body's formed like he wants. And now I can look and see, and I'm like, oh, that's what you're going for. I get it now. <laughs> and like it, it now it's like, oh, yeah, you look like a defensive lineman who's about to cause some problems. Like that, I get it. It makes all the sense in the world. Um so it, 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 I can completely understand why Adam Gase had that reaction because it's the same thing I did. And he probably – I hadn't talked to him about it, but he probably was going through the, the same motions as I was last year, being like, huh, I'm not sure what's going on here. What is exactly going for? But now he gets it, and it, it's obvious. He also pointed out that, you know, like I said, Makai Becton, very large man. Um and just to be able to see somebody that big that can move like him, it, it's really a thing uh, to behold. Uh, not something you'd expect. Connor McGovern, the Jets' new center, also spoke. And apparently, Chris, you could be on the Jets' offensive line if you had the type of athletic ability that would allow you to play professional football because there's a team-building exercise that McGovern says they engage in that I think you would really very much like to be a part of. No, you're wrong on that. I am terrible at Call of Duty. <laughs> I have always been terrible at Call of Duty. Um, part of my biggest problem with Call of Duty was always I, you have to get that game like the second it comes out because if you don't start uh, immediately and build up everything right away, uh, by the time you get in, everybody knows all the spots to hide and they got all the good weapons and you just get sniped and. I, I, man, I get sniped in that game. 
So I, I'll play the, the game mode, the story mode in Call of Duty. The online stuff, man, I am bad at that. So I would get kicked out of that room. I'd get booted off the team super quick. Um, I also think that this is a story that was made for Connor Hughes. So going <laughs> to go ahead and let Connor Hughes run with that. This this is right up his alley. Um, they they want to talk about uh, Red Dead Redemption or Ghost of Tsushima with me. I'm in. They they I'm in. We can do that. Uh, I'll let Connor handle the Call of Duty one. That that is like this is a story that was made for him. But yeah, they're doing a team building exercise. It, that type of stuff is is great though, especially for these players. They basically quarantining um you know with the exception of being on the field and that's a way that they can still entertain themselves stay busy and have fun and create bonds and friendships with each other and the you can figure out ways you know unspoken communication spoken communication they can figure out ways things about each other's personalities that that type of stuff really is great team building exercise. Um, and we talk about this all the time with offensive lines. The, the offensive line, not only is it you're only as strong as your weakest link, but it, everything has to work in concert together. They all have to be on the same page. Like, every, like they're tied on a string together. If one person slides to the left, they all have to react accordingly, <clears throat> depending on the play. So – these types of things can be really helpful. And this is the type of thing that is going to help or hurt teams during these quarantine is being able to come up with creative types of ways to still uh, get around certain things and be able to maximize your time when you're not doing the normal stuff. So if you can get some extra team building stuff in by playing video games and it just feels fun, you're just having fun, but you're learning about each other and everything going forward, that can really help. Last order of business, Chris, we should talk about what was said by the players when you were given access a couple of days ago. There was one particular quote that made headlines and we haven't had a chance to touch on it on the show yet. So bring it up here. First of all, Le'Veon Bell did say that sometimes people do things that you don't approve of or you don't like. And that was his response to the Jamal Adams question. But he did go on to say that he wishes Jamal the best and hopes he does really well in Seattle. So for the most part, Le'Veon Bell <coughs> took the high road. But the quote I'm talking about, of course, was not what Le'Veon Bell said. No. It was what Jordan Jenkins said. He just said he's tired of effing losing and he hopes the Jets are effing close. There were some people that were upset that some people tweeted this out verbatim without redacting the F word or at least coding the F word so that younger fans who follow <laughs> reporters on Twitter wouldn't see it. I understand, but I don't think it's really that big of a deal. That said, I don't understand the uproar about this quote. Of course, Jordan Jenkins doesn't like losing. Of course, he's tired of losing. Any player that's been on a losing team his entire career so far would be tired of losing. This really isn't anything other than colorful language as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the way I feel about colorful language, as you put it, is like, like man, I, come on. I, and number one, I don't trust people who don't curse at all. I, I, I feel like you're not letting out your real emotions. The only problem I have with uh, people using colorful language is if it's like for no purpose, you're just you're cursing just to curse or just to get attention. Jordan Jenkins is not that dude. 
like he's been here a long time. How much can you think of times where he's sitting here and letting f bombs fly? Like it doesn't happen that often. He he used this because this is how he felt. Uh, now I had a couple reactions to it. Also, my reaction, uh, one of them was, yeah, he really didn't want to come back. Uh, he wanted to go somewhere else, a t- team uh, that would give him a better chance to lo- to win. But he didn't get the offers he wanted, so he thought, I'll come back to play with Greg and hopefully get that bigger contract the next time. But then the other thing is, I I really feel for Jordan Jenkins and these situations because I completely understand where he's coming from, and I completely understand how he's sitting there like, man, I'm, t- I'm really tired of the losing, and uh, like – fans and everybody just being like, oh, the Jets are going to jet no matter what. Same old Jets. Well, you're blaming me for 50 years of failure when I just got here a few years ago. And I I totally understand that. I empathize and sympathize with him for it. But I also get the other side because he's not – he's far from the first player to sit there and say that. And while he's justified, those players always talk about – how they're going to make a difference and how it's going to change. And it never changes. And, and it, there might be a season or two where you think, Hey, it's changing, but then something happens and it goes right back and it doesn't change. Um, so like, it's just, this is just one of those things, Jordan Jenkins players, you're just going to have to deal with it until like somebody, uh, this team can actually change and go through and win the Super Bowl. It's just part of being a Jet. You're just going to have to take it because the fans have heard it all before. There is nothing you could say. It could be true. It could be accurate. It could make all the logical, reasonable sense in the world. But it doesn't matter because the fans have all heard it before and it failed before. And their thinking is it's going to fail again. You're not the special one that's going to change that. Um, but again, he has to feel like he's going to be the one to change it or part of the ones that are going to change it. So it's just really stuck in a hard place uh, between a rock and a hard place there. Um, it's just, it, it's just, there's no way out of this situation. The only way out is to go ahead and win a Super Bowl. Chris, I don't think you even realized this as you were talking, but you said one of the magic words on this podcast, justified. So as you're talking about Jordan Jenkins, all of a sudden, all I'm thinking about is Raylan Givens and Boyd Crowder. So thank you for that visual, though I also did think of Ava Crowder, which is an even better visual. Anytime you say the word justified on this podcast, it's kind of like if you remember the old Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse, they had that word of the day, and anytime they would say a word, somebody would yell and scream and the alarms would go off. That's sort of what goes on on this podcast, except Chris, only in my head. There's no actual sirens or yelling. Yes, absolutely. But it was definitely sirens going off in your head. Uh, just the <laughs> word association. It's, it's a good game to play because justified will make both of us very happy. And I will say, Chris, before we run, one thing that was justified related that I thought we should share since we talk about that show all the time here on the podcast is that you texted me the other day that you've been rewatching Lost and you saw the actor that played Arlo, Raymond Berry, who was Raylan's father on Justified. He was a character on Lost, and that's one of those things where at the time you wouldn't know it because obviously Lost was on well before Justified, but when you go back and see something like that, it really makes you laugh like, oh, man, it's Arlo all these years before, and I didn't even realize it. Yeah, absolutely, and I, you know, the timelines 
because I forget how long ago is I started watching Justified. I was a little late to it. Uh, but, like, I rewatched Lost a bunch of times. I would rewatch it as it was airing each season, and I watched it a couple times afterwards. But I think the last time I rewatched Lost was before I saw Justified. And he's just in the one scene with Jack as his grandpa. So it's not a big scene. It's not something I would have remembered while watching Justified to be like, hey, that's Jack's dad. Uh, so it worked the opposite way this time. I was like, oh, my God, that's Jack's dad. And, it, and I was like, yeah, I got to tell Scott. <laughs> These are the texts that go back and forth between us. It's mostly about stuff like that. Some jet stuff, but mostly about things like that that make us both chuckle. And I'm sure we're going to have plenty of those as training camp continues. That'll be both jets and non-jets related. But the jet stuff we will absolutely share here on the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, in fact, to talk about Chris's second practice that he's going to be at. I guess it's sort of like mini camp day two because the ramp up period isn't officially started yet. But whatever it is you want to call it, the jets will be out there in pads. And that's all you really need to know. Chris Nimbley, the very big deal of JetsInsider.com Thanks for hopping on as always I'm sure that if people want a written recap of what went on They can go to JetsInsider.com and check it out, right? Yeah, absolutely I got an article up there right now is About the weirdness of everything uh, Those a couple injury updates uh, So go ahead and check that out And then obviously I'm going to have a bunch of training camp stuff I'll have my three observation stuffs coming I it was sloppy and not enough to get that for the first one. I decided just to focus on the weirdness of it. But from now on, all the practices, I'll have my three observations. I'll have injury updates. I'll have all of that stuff for you. I'm going to focus heavily this this uh, training camp, just telling you what's happening on the practice field. I, I'm not going to get too involved into uh, uh, quotes and stuff. You know, Jordan Jenkins comes out and says what he says. Okay, I'll talk about that. But we're doing these Zoom interviews and everything. It's just I feel like we're going to get so much canned stuff, even more so than normal. I'm just going to really heavily focus on telling you guys exactly what happened on the field and um, and as much detail as I can on each and every day so you guys can get a feeling. Especially this year, fans aren't going to be able to come out at all during training camp. So I'm going to have to be your eyes and ears for you, and that's what I'm going to intend to do. Very big deal, eyes and ears, in fact. So if you want to check out what Chris wrote, you can go to JetsInsider.com and you can also follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.